0: Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. You can go to any Christian bookstore in the Atlanta area and you can find false teachers there as well. They are not hard to find, and we shouldn't be surprised that they are not hard to find because the scripture teaches us clearly that in the end times there will be an abundance of false teachers. Also, God has given us an entire book, the book of Jude, to help us to stand against the multitude of false teachers that we see in our day. Our study has brought us to the steps that we need to go through To stand against false teachers. If you and I will follow the instructions of God in this book, we will be able to overcome the deception of false teachers. You remember I said there were four steps. Each begin with R. We saw last week, remember the teachings of the apostles. Today we're going to see remain in God's love. And then we're going to see reach out to those who are in danger. And then we're going to see rest in God's greatness. That brings us to the first thing we saw last week. Remember the words of the apostles that we saw in verses 17 and 18. But you remember, but you beloved ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand By the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we said that there are three things that we need to remember. First, we need to remember the teachings of the apostles, which for us is the Word of God. Because you must test every teacher, every preacher by the Word of God. I don't care who it is. Test me, test your Sunday school teacher, test every teacher you hear on the radio, on the television, on the internet. By God's word. Secondly, remember the warnings of the apostles. They warned us that we were going to see false teachers. And that they would deceive many. And then thirdly, remember the description of these false teachers that the apostles gave us. Three characteristics. They disbelieve God's word. Either they outright deny it. Or they bring up some other book equal with scripture like the book of Mormon or the Quran. Or they so twist the meaning of Scripture that it doesn't mean at all what God said that it meant. Second characteristic is they indulge in fleshly desires. If you look at their lifestyle, you will see exorbitant lifestyles. You will see a clear love of money. And then we also saw, in addition to those that as well, that they rebel against proper authority so look in their lives are they in submission to proper authorities and that brings us to our passage today and that is to remain in god's love so stand in respect for god's word and let me read verses 20 and 21 but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. You may be seated. Remain in God's love. Now, actually, verses 20 and 21, a one sentence in the original Greek. Now... You have one main verb. Keep is your main verb. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And you have three participles explaining or defining this verb. The three participles are building, praying, waiting. In other words, what the scripture is telling us is how we are to remain in God's love. In other words, we remain in God's love, next slide, we remain in God's love by building yourselves up on the most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, and by waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Those are the three things you do to keep yourself in God's love. Now today, we're only going to look at the first one. Building yourselves up in the most holy faith. But before I explain that, we need to go back to this main verb, which is a command. Keep yourselves in the love of God. This is a great example of how we must use the Scripture to interpret Scripture. Now if you are a new Christian and you didn't know anything about the Bible and you opened up your Bible to Jude, and you happen to be reading verse 20, and it, or verse 21, and it says, keep yourself in God's love, you would think, okay, now I've got to do something to keep God loving me. Right? That means that God may save me, but, but I've got to do something so He'll keep loving me. Because it says, keep myself in the love of God. And so you would think mistakenly that it's something you have to do in order to keep God loving you. But when we take the teaching of Scripture, which clearly teaches that God's love to His own is an unconditional love, it says of Jesus that He loved His own and He loved them to the uttermost, or He loved them eternally, we realize that clearly God's love is an unconditional love. So this verse cannot mean, I've got to do something, To keep God loving me. Well, what does it mean then? What it means is that we must keep ourselves in the place where we can receive God's blessings or the experience, positive experience, of His love. Keep your walk with God at such a level that you can experience God's blessings. Keep yourself in the place that you can experience God's love in a positive way. Now, you're going to experience God's love, but it may be in discipline, which we might consider a negative way. And so when it says, keep yourself in God's love, he's saying, live in such a way that you will experience the positive benefits of your relation to God. Now, God loves you either way. But this will enable you to experience the positive effects of His love. You see, either you are in the place to receive God's blessings in your life, or you are in the place as a Christian to experience God's discipline, His chastening in your life. And so what Jude is saying is, hey, you need to keep yourself in the place that you can experience God's blessings. This will help guard you against false teachers. Because if you're experiencing the disciplined hand of your life and you're going through difficulties and hardships, then your temptation is going to be to get mad with God, to get bitter at God, and that's going to make you more susceptible to these false teachings that are trying to tell you that God always intends for you to have nothing but prosperity and good times. Let me give you an example of how you can actually be in God's love but not experiencing the positive blessings. You know the story of the prodigal son, right? He goes to his dad, and he says, Dad, I want to go ahead and get my inheritance early. And so his father gives him the inheritance. He leaves. He goes out. He squanders that inheritance on wild living, on parties, on women, and then he ends up being completely destitute, and he ends up having to watch and look after pigs in a pig pen, which to the Jewish guy, you remember, pigs were unclean, so that's about as low as you could get. Now, was he... Still being loved by his father? Did his father still love him? Just as much as he loved him the day he was in his house. But was he experiencing God's love, in, I mean his father's love in his life in a positive way? No. He was estranged from his father. He was not experiencing his father's love. He was not in the place that his father could bless him. But once he came to his senses and realized he'd be better off as a servant in his father's house than living in a pig pen, he went home. And what did he find when he got home? His father just showered him with positive expressions of his love. His dad didn't love him any more or any less than he did when he was in the pig pen. But he was in the place when he was at home that he could experience the positive benefits of that love. So that's what Jude is saying, that we need to keep ourselves in the place, in our relationship with God, that we can experience the positive benefits of His love, the positive blessings of His love. So that's what it means to remain in God's love. So that brings up us to the question, okay, preacher, how do I do that? How do I stay in the place that I can be in God's positive blessings in my life and not be under His discipline. Well, the Jude says, first, building yourself up on the most holy faith. Second, praying in the Spirit. Thirdly, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. All right? That's the way you do it. Those three things. Today, building yourself up on the most holy faith. But what does it mean? To build yourself up on the most holy faith. It means not your faith. It's not talking about your faith. But when it says most holy faith, you remember it's talking about the Christian faith. The teachings of the apostles of the early church. Build yourself up in your walk with Christ. You can say it that way. Build yourself up in your Christian faith. Build yourself up in your Christian life. Build yourself up into spiritual maturity. This means to be strong in the Christian faith. Just like physical strength comes with physical maturity. Take a 2-year-old, take a 22-year-old. Which one's stronger? No doubt about it. Same way about spiritual maturity. Spiritual strength comes from spiritual maturity. A person who is a baby in Christ will not be as strong spiritually as someone who is a spiritual adult in Christ. So to build yourself up on the most holy faith is to become spiritually mature. It means to grow into spiritual adulthood. Paul says in Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It means to recognize that your strength comes from the Lord, and you rest in that strength, you depend on that strength to enable you to stand against temptation, to go through the hardships and trials of life. You look to Him to be everything you need. To build yourself up in the most holy faith is to be a spiritual bodybuilder. All right, now we're going to bring it down. We all have seen bodybuilders, right? The guys that had the big heaps of muscles who spend hours and hours and hours a week building up those muscles. They exercise, they diet, they build up their physical bodies. Well, you and I need to be spiritual bodybuilders. We need to be on the right diet, and guess what that diet is? The Word of God and obeying God's Word. We need to be consciously exercising our spiritual muscles and become spiritually strong that we might be spiritually mature. Well, preaching, how do I do that? If building myself up in the most holy faith means that I am to grow into spiritual maturity, to grow into my spiritual strength, well, tell me how I can do that. Just like a weightlifter has a plan to become a bodybuilder, he doesn't just walk in the gym one day and look at the weights and say, well, I wonder what I'm supposed to do with those. No, he usually has a trainer, somebody who's trained to come in, give him instructions, help him out. So let me give you five things you can do to be a spiritual bodybuilder. First, by placing ourselves under the teaching of God's Word. Paul says in colossians one twenty eight we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every one with all wisdom for what purpose that we might present every man complete. that word means mature finished we might present every man mature in Christ. now what does Paul say the the means to accomplish the end of maturity is. Proclaiming and teaching. And he's talking about the Word of God. So that tells me, if I want to be strong spiritually, then I've got to get a spiritual trainer to help me, like a physical person needs a physical trainer to help them, to know what exercises to do with the weights, to know how to do those exercises. And so we need spiritual teachers to help us in our spiritual growth. The teacher-preacher is like the coach, teaching you what you need to do to build yourself up in the most holy faith, instructing you in the truth of God. That means you need to avail yourself of good biblical teaching, and preaching. And let me add, more than just Sunday morning. If you want to really grow and build yourself up in the most holy faith, you need to be availing yourself of good, solid, biblical teaching throughout the week. And we do it here on Wednesday nights. But I don't even think Wednesday night and Sunday morning is enough. Now, just as there is a great deal of false teaching on the internet, there is some good teaching out there too. And so I would recommend, and this is what I do, I have some podcasts that I download on a daily basis from good, solid, biblical teachers and preachers that I listen to, to help me. As I'm driving into work, I'm listening. As I'm driving home, I'm listening. Probably every one of us in here has a commute of more than 15 minutes. Use that time to build yourself up on the most holy faith by exposing yourself to good teachers and preachers. You can, If you have an iPhone, you can download podcasts, and I'll be glad to give you some people you can listen to. Uh, Mark Baker can give you some people to listen to. Jonathan can give you some people to listen to. If you have an Android, you can go to Sermon Audio and download, or go to Google Play and download their app, and you can listen to Sermon Audio. And there are many good preachers on Sermon Audio. We have over 500 sermons ourselves. You can just get a full dose of me all week or listen to the... (laughs) You say, that's enough. RUI radio program, uh, you can listen to that. Filiberto, if you know Spanish, you can listen to, to his uh, sermons there. So we have a lot of material. And then our, uh, John MacArthur's own uh, sermon audio. So there's, and most of you have a phone, and most of you have a smartphone. Uh, if you don't, you can still go on the radio and find some good ones. It's a little harder, but they can be found. Uh, but you need to... Avail yourselves of good teachers and preachers. So, after I get to each point, I want you to think about your life. We're going to apply as we go. All right, think about your life. Think about last week. Did you avail yourself of good Bible teachers and preachers outside of just Sunday morning or Wednesday night? Second question. What will you do this coming week to avail yourselves of good teachers and preachers of God's Word? What steps will you take? I encourage you, come up with one or two things you'll do. Okay, I will go download their podcast. I will go to Sermon and download the Sermon Audio from Google Play. I will take some steps. Or go online and go to Sermon Audio or whatever and listen. Will you do that. If you're serious about growing and building yourself up on the most holy faith, you'll do that. Second truth. We build ourselves up on the most holy faith by living the truth you have learned. By living the truth you have learned. Now, over in Hebrews chapter 5. We have, I think, rather insightful verses, beginning in verse 12. Where the writer of Hebrews is saying, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He's saying you guys should be mature by now. You ought to be teaching and not having to be taught. You should be having spiritual meat, not just spiritual milk, verse 13. For everyone who practices excuse me, who everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. Look at this, who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What's right of Hebrews saying? He's saying, guys, you are immature because you've not been practicing the truth that you know. It's not enough just to know the truth. You've got to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. That trainer can tell you what exercises to do. He can show you how to do them. But unless you actually do them, they will not benefit you at all. A team can spend all week in the, in the dressing room, in the locker room, doing chalkboard exercises, talking about the strength of the opposing team, talking about the weaknesses of the opposing team, coming up with new plays, new strategies to defeat that team. But if that team never gets on the field and practices those things, they'll be destroyed come game day. We've got to practice the truth. You know, it's almost like there's a... It's kind of like a funnel. And God's truth comes down the funnel. But if we don't practice it, it stops it up. Why would God give you any new truth if you're not living the truth He's already shown you? Think about it. Why give you more truth when you're not living what He's given you? So you kind of stop up the process of learning more if you're not... Practicing what you're learning. I remember this came home to me when I was in college and I was in Bible college, and so I was spending a great deal of time studying the Bible, taking courses in theology, taking courses in Christian ministry, taking courses in various books of the Bible. But I was not that involved in doing any ministry. And the Lord just revealed to me, you need to get out and start using some of this stuff, or you're not going to be taken in anymore. You got to practice it. Or you just get head knowledge, and God finally says, That's enough. So we must practice the truth that we have learned. Now, let me ask you are you obeying the truth that God's shown you? Are you living in obedience? to what He has revealed to you in His Word? If you want to keep learning and growing, we must practice that truth. Third, we build ourselves up on the most holy faith by renewing our mind with God's Word. In Romans 12, he says, I do not want you to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You've got to have a renewed mind if you're going to build yourself up on the most holy faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word renewing actually is better translated renovating. We need to renovate our mind with the Word of God. Well, preacher, what does that mean? Well, what do you do when you renovate a building? You don't just gut the whole thing, do you? No. You go and you look at every piece of wood. If it's good, you leave it. If it's rotten, if it's bad, you pull it out and you put new in to replace it. Right? Well, to renovate your mind means that you've got to take the Word of God and you've got to look in your mind your values, your opinions, your philosophies, your worldview. And where it doesn't square with God's Word, it needs to be pulled out. And God's truth needs to be replaced that opinion, that thought. So, the older you were when you became a Christian, or if you grew up in a non-Christian home, and you did not have the benefit of a biblical worldview being taught to you by your parents, then you're going to find a lot of things need to be pulled out of my life. Man, a lot of opinions that I've had, a lot of values I've had, that now that I'm a Christian, I see they do not square with God's Word. Right? We can take some simple ones. Maybe you grew up as a non-Christian, and... Everybody you knew slept around uh, before they got married. Maybe even your parents said, we don't mind if you want to do that. I have known parents who have said that to kids. But you're a Christian now, and you say, "Now wait a minute, that's not what God's Word says. I've got to grab that piece of rotten wood and get rid of it and put in the place of it God's truth, God's value. And so, if you want to grow in maturity in Christ... You've got to be constantly going through your life, your mind, which equates to your opinions and your values and your life view and your philosophy of life, and you've got to test it with God's Word and say, does this really square with the Word of God? If it doesn't, pull it out and replace it with God's truth. As more and more of your life, your mind, your emotions, your your thought processes, your values, your philosophy of life, as it becomes more and more in line with God's Word, you are becoming more and more spiritually mature. Because we live based on what we truly believe. For instance, again, you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Your dad, his, his desire was to make as much money as he could. That was his driving goal, and you could tell it from his life. He worked all the time. Well, you just grew up thinking that's what you do. You grow up and you get the best job you can get. You make the most money you can make and try to surround yourself with the most material things and toys you can have, the best house, the best cars, the best clothes, and that's what life is really about. Well, you become a Christian and you realize, oh wait a minute, God says seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you think, I hadn't been doing that. My goal has been to just make as much money as I can, to be as successful as I can be. I thought that's what life was about. But you realize that's not what God's Word says. And what do you do? You pull that rotten plank out, and you put the brand new plank of God's truth in the place of it. And in the process, your mind is being renovated. So we need to renovate our mind with God's Word. Number four, by always desiring Greater spiritual maturity. Never being satisfied with where you are spiritually. I mean, are you satisfied with where you are spiritually? If you are, you are in big trouble. Look at what uh, Paul says over in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, again, totally mature, But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I am not satisfied with where I am spiritually. I want to continue to grow in my spiritual relationship with Christ. I want to love Him more and more and more. I want to press on to be more like Christ. I am not satisfied. Are you satisfied with where you are spiritually? If not, what are you doing to change that? What are you doing to grow into greater spiritual maturity? Putting yourself under the preaching and teaching of God's Word? Renewing your mind in the Scriptures? Living the truth that you know? All these things will help you grow in your spiritual maturity. And then number five, by remaining steadfast in our faith during hardships, and adversities. Here James helps us as he talks about as we remain steadfast in our adversities and our hardships, that this leads to the maturity of our faith. James chapter one, verse two. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, hardships, difficulties. Why should I consider that joy? Because knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. Stickability. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete. Again, that word means mature, lacking in nothing. So when we experience difficulties and hardships and we continue to trust God and persevere in our faith and believe God, even when things don't look believable, but we say, no, God, I'm not going to doubt you. I'm going to believe you. You know what that does? That strengthens your faith. That's being spiritually weightlifting. You know, a weightlifter, has to, he lifts until he has totally extenuated all of his muscle strength. He cannot lift another one. They break down their muscle in order that they might build it back up. Exercise builds strength. We need to spiritually exercise our faith in order for it to become strong. And the way it does that is through difficulties and hardships. In fact, when God brings us to the limit of our faith, then we have to look to Him to supply more faith. That's when you really grow. Weightlifters don't start off with five pounds and stay with five pounds. They increase the weight as they get stronger. Faith is the same way. As we trust God in difficulties and hardships, our faith becomes stronger. And then when the next trial comes, we continue to trust Him, and it gets a bit stronger yet. And that's the continuation of the Christian process. Joseph was tested By God's word. You remember, God gave Joseph a vision that he was going to be the leader of his family. Now, his family, his brothers didn't take too kindly to that. And so they ended up selling him into slavery. And he ended up going and being a slave in Potiphar's house. And then he ended up going to prison for several years. You remember that? But all this time, it says the word of God tested him. What does that mean? That means that he knew God said he was going to be a leader. And yet here he was a slave in prison. So he had to believe and trust God anyway. And it's no indication he ever doubted, got upset and angry with God, and said, God, you said I'm going to be a leader. Why am I in prison? But we all know how the story ended. In God's time, God took him out of prison and placed him second to Pharaoh. But the Scripture says the Word of God tested him during that time that his faith might grow and he might be the man that God would use in such a tremendous way. So are you remaining steadfast in your trials, in your difficulties? Now let me give you a a little encouragement here because I want to give you the whole story. Not only are we to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, But I want you to know God also works to build us up in Christ. God is also working. He doesn't leave us to our own devices to grow in that faith. Look in Colossians chapter 2, where we see this beautifully put together. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 6. Therefore... As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now that's a command. We are to walk in the Lord Jesus. That's our part. But look at what it goes on to say. Having been firmly rooted. doesn't say you firmly rooted yourself. It's a passive verb. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up In Him and established in your faith. So we walk, but guess what God does in the process? He firmly roots us, He establishes us, and builds us up. And so you see, it's a cooperative effort. It's not just you, but it's God working in you and through you to build you up in the faith. Philippians makes this, again, very clear. When Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that's you. That's your part. All right? And he means work out the fullness of your salvation. Not your eternal life, but growing into the maturity. But, or for, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So, you see, we do, but God does too. We do, and God enables us to do. It's a cooperative thing. So don't get discouraged. Don't think, preacher, I just can't do all this. By the power and grace of God, you can. Because He's at work in you, both to will and work for His good pleasure. He will establish you. He will build you up as you seek to be built up. See how it works? He works with us. He works in us. He works through us. That We might be built up in the most holy faith. So, remain in God's love. Keep yourself in the place that God can bless you. That you can experience some positive aspects of His love. And the first way you do that is being built up in the faith. And the way you get built up in the faith is what we've talked about. Put yourself under the teaching and preaching of God's Word, right? Uh, Take time to to, uh, find yourself remaining steadfast in hardships, being sure that you live the truth that you learn, renewing your mind on God's Word, and always having a greater desire to grow spiritually. Do you want to be built up in the faith? Let's pray. We do welcome you, and I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, this is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor, and our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at six thirty. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections, uh, and to my left is Mark Baker, who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter your cultural background, I want you to know you are welcomed at Westside Church. This is where... Everybody is somebody, and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org. That's wbcfamily.org.